Hi, Mike. Are we Mine started? Is... Holy cow, we we're live. Started. We are super Holy live. I'm just getting ready to call in makeup. We're still alive. Wait for that. We yeah, we're doing all right. There was a go. I thanked my wife this morning for not killing me last night while I slept. That's always a bonus. That's always a bonus. Yeah. Did, you, was, uh... did, did she forget or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, thankfully, she's getting forgetful in her old age. No, no, Rob, I need to apologize for that. I was supposed to send the reminder text to her, and I just, I just yeah. completely spaced. I'm sorry. I really failed wow. you. It's okay. I'm happy with it. The results. <laughs> well, now we get to listen to you, so that's fun. Oh, yeah, great. Well, uh, Mike, Hall of Fame, I got to congratulate you. It was an absolute pleasure to be a part of that. It was amazing. Tell us about all of the hard work that goes into it and how it came up. <laughs> it's not hard work. It's fun. It's all, you know, it's all, it gets a little crazy on, on the day that the banquet happens. But, you know, listen, it's, I've always said I'll work as hard as anybody wants me to work to keep that banquet going because the, the people who get into the Hall of Fame, the heroes, the living Hall of Famers who show up, they deserve a night like that. They deserve a night to have people stand up and applaud them. They deserve a night to be able to stand up and tell everybody about their lives and share information that nobody really knew before. I mean, it, it's it's just, it's a great night. I wish it was, uh, um, I wish everybody could could attend it. I mean, it was well attended and, and uh, it's always fun, but it's uh, the video will be out in a couple of weeks. I'll put it on uh, online so that you can check it out that way. Uh, but it was uh, it was it was a great night. Jerry Bryseth, we did uh, acceptance speech from Dennis Orcolo live stream from Manila, which was interesting. It was cool. Once it got started, yeah. Once it got started, well, the thing is that it was the live stream was actually good. It was only about a five second delay. What was delayed was we had a. Uh, I had my phone up there FaceTiming with him so he could see the audience. And the FaceTime was about a minute and a half delay. <laughs> oh, wow. How does that work? So that's why, that's why Jay Helford, who introduced him, would say something. And about two minutes later, Dennis would smile and laugh and clap. <laughs> but it, once, <laughs> once he got to give his speech, it was great. Uh, it was really nice. I think it meant a lot to him to be able to speak to everybody live in the room and thank them and tell them how important it was to him. So it was a good, uh, great evening all told. I was glad you were there. Yeah, I was glad I was there too. It was, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to see all of the pool players uh, dressed up and in attendance. There was a lot of, especially the Europeans. I mean, there was a lot of European players that were there uh, dressed up nicely, you know, looking good for the event. I, I thought it was awesome. Uh, what was your highlight of the event? Um, you know, I think that um, I think Jerry's speech was great. I think everybody seeing Dennis was great, uh, and and just what you said is is always the best part to me is players in there, you know, getting a bigger perspective on the size and the history of the sport and the heroes who came before them, and it gives them a little different look at the sports they play every day. They just go from tournament to tournament, so it just really gave them a great. Uh, uh, a great gives them a great perspective on it, and you can see the respect for each other in that room, and you can see their eyes light up and get a little bit wider when they see some of the guys from 30 years ago, photos and videos of guys from 50 years ago. Um, you know, that's that's all that's all great stuff. That's that's the importance of it to me. Hopefully, that you still hear me. Yeah. Okay, I, I want to switch over to this microphone. Um, okay. 
I think my favorite my my favorite story of that was uh, when Mark um, when Mark Wilson was uh, introing uh, Jerry Bryce. Bryce yeah, and Mark's been playing a little bit. He's you know he's an up and comer. He's really trying to get better at the game. He's soaking up everything, and he goes up to Jerry and just asks you know big bright eye and bushy, just happy as happy as can be for the opportunity to learn from Jerry, and says Jerry, what can I work on? Jerry's like, well, all right, well, why don't you why don't you hit a few balls for me? He gets down and shoots one shot. Jerry comes over and stops him from shooting a second shot, and he's like, all right, I think I know what I can help you with. This is what I need you to do. Mark's like, oh, all excited. He's like, he's going to get the, the golden nugget on how to be a, a great pool player. And Jerry's like, you know, kid, I need you to do something. I need you to take two weeks off, and when you come back, I need you to seriously contemplate quitting. <laughs> yeah, it was good, this though. is like Mark Wilson, like one of the most legendary players there is. It's like, yeah, no, it, was, uh, it was great. It was a good, it was a good night. Everybody's speeches were great. So it was, uh, it, yeah, it was good job by all. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. That's what I really like. If uh, I'm telling you, if, if you guys call, uh, call yourself, you know, fans of the game and you want to see the, the best for the game moving forward, Go to the international open and go to this banquet. It it was honestly, it was like uh I, I I won't miss one. They're they're absolutely amazing. This is this is one of the the must go to things of this season every year. It's it's awesome. But is it is it is it gonna be at the international open every year now? Because I know uh, you did it at the Yeah, we've, we've right? done it there most years because um it's a good uh it's a good time of year. Uh they get a good they get a good audience there, good crowd there of fans who like to go to the banquet. And uh, and Pat's willing to shut down the tournament for three hours between four thirty and seven thirty, so we can have the banquet. There's not a lot of promoters that would do that. Um, so I mean, you know, something like the U.S. Open in Atlanta City would be great, but they're not shutting that down for three hours to allow us to have a banquet, right? Uh, the other option is, and I'm hoping to do this in 24, is Moscone Cup in Vegas, because uh, Moscone Cup gets off at gets over at four o'clock in the afternoon. So um, that gives us the evening. And in 24, you know, just kind of hedging my bets, I think Shane's a pretty safe, uh, uh, you know, option for is that not, year. Is he, is, he not, is he not old enough in 23? He'll be 40 in 23. You have to be 40 by, you have to be 40 on January 1st. You have to be 40 when the year starts. So okay. he'll turn 40 next year, which means he'll be eligible in 24. Um, and, uh, so that would be a lot of fun to have it out there, uh, you know, for, for his induction would be great. So, uh, we'll see if we can do that. Maybe line up another one of those, like we did in 17, where we flew in all the living hall of famers and have a big, you know, a big party. So, uh, give us a couple of years to raise some money for that. Um, and that would be, uh, that would, that would be terrific. We did it in 2017 there were, I don't know, 225, 230 people there. It was great. I, I'm really hoping that uh, Shane can add one or two more major titles to his resume so that I, I personally can justify voting for him. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not quite sure if he's done enough yet, but, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. he might. Well, he might. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he can beef up some of his resume between now and then. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe he can get another title or two. Who knows, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's he's close. He's real close, you know? <laughs> so you said uh, raise some more funds. What, what, what does that entail? How does... How do we, oh, how does this, that entails, run, you know, that, that entails me calling up <laughs> industry people and begging for money like I do on a monthly basis for advertising. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, the industry's always 
great and always good behind as long as I can put together a good budget on exactly what we need and tell the industry, you know, partners, you know, what, what it costs to put on this banquet and, and see if we can generate that kind of income. Um, you know, we'll put it on. I mean, this is not a profit making thing. You know, it's just, it's just, this is what it's going to cost. Are you, you know, willing to, to help pony up? Someone mentioned, is there any way to watch the banquet? Uh, we're having, we taped the entire thing and it's being edited now in a week or so. Uh, it'll be available and we'll send it out to various, you know, all the media members that we have as members of the association. We'll get a, a, a link to the video. And so you'll, you'll be able to see it streaming all over the place. Sure. And if, uh, if anybody out there is tuning in and wants to potentially get involved with helping any sort of fundraising, how do they do it? Uh, well, that I just have to, uh, we'll, we'll put the word out in plenty of time when we, when we start, you know, raising funds for, for 24, if we're going to try to go big in 24 with the, with a kind of a reunion banquet. Um, so uh, people will people will know when it's time. Believe me, I won't leave too many stones unturned. Sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into this. Uh, Jim has to go do daddy duties. I guess his uh, his baby puked all over the place. But we got us. <laughs> oh, and you know what? Perfect. Perfect timing. We never liked Jim that much, anyways. Ray, what's going on, man? Did Jim dump you? What happened? Jim decided his baby's puking a thon was more important than us. Well, it's valid. <laughs> I've heard worse excuses in the pool world. Yeah, yeah right. Mike, I just want to let you know that the uh, Hall of Fame banquet was pretty awesome. That was my, I think my second one. I hadn't gone to one in a long time, and it was pretty inspiring. Just kind of like going great. through that and seeing the slideshows and stuff was really cool. So Great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being there, and thanks for the kind words. We were just talking about that a little bit. We were talking about how it's kind of, you know, I look at it as kind of this inspiring evening where people really you know get their eyes open and 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 the perspective of the history of the sport becomes you know so much more evident to them so much more important to them so i'm glad you felt the same way yeah it was fantastic and it was nice to see uh somebody inducted as a coach as well yeah i don't think i, I don't think you know we get lost in the players but you know the mentorship that goes on behind the scenes for a lot of guys it's you know there's usually four or five guys that somebody can hang their hat on you know, when they yeah. really climb the game. And so yeah. it's kind of cool to see Jerry in there. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. He's the first instructor to get inducted and uh, well-deserving. So yeah. it was great. How many years have you been, have you been writing about uh, billiards? Me? Like, yeah. 42. Nice. Yeah. It's the only job I've ever had out of school. Wow. <laughs> That's great. So... Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's jump in. Earl the Pearl yeah. Strickland rounds out Team USA. Yeah. Uh, Ray, you're last to the party, so you get to be first to the answering. What's What's your thoughts? I know you were kind of chasing this spot, maybe yourself. Uh, what do well, you think? I mean, I mean, if you're an American player, it's on your it's on your radar for sure, especially as you start kind of like getting into form and and playing at at that level. But um, you know, just from my observations of Earl at the at the international, you know. Whenever his match was going on, regardless of what was going on on the TV table, there was a crowd, you know, and Earl has that star power. And I think one of the, the fun things about Earl being on the team is that he has this kind of factor of uh, ignitability. You know what I mean? Like 
under that under that spotlight under those conditions earl has the the highest upswing value i think of any player for the united states so if he happens to be in a position where he comes with a big shot you know what i mean just jacks up fires a ball in and you know gets position for his team or something and runs out i mean the momentum building ability of earl playing in form is going to be huge and with the crowd behind him and I think this is true if it would have been here in the States or, or even last year in the UK, Earl is his own show, you know, and the European fans would have loved to have seen him, which is why I think it, it was, it would, it would, it would have been very special to see him last year also, but you know, he's going to have the ability to neutralize a little bit of the European fans and put pressure on team Europe. Cause all of a sudden they're like, Oh, well, Earl's washed up. Ha ha ha. But then, I mean, the guy is playing great. You know what I mean? He's, he's in the gym. Every morning, you know, when I was there at the international, part of my routine was getting on the treadmill for 45 minutes or an hour. Earl was right there with me, you know what I mean? Or I'd pass him, you know, when I was leaving, he'd be walking in, that kind of stuff. So the guy's training, you know what I mean? Not just on the table. And, you know, he, he played great. I was surprised at how well he handled the break because for me, that's been holding him back thing um, in the last couple of years. But he was he was more productive on the break with the new format than I expected him to be. And he won some matches, you know what I mean? That were, you know, in flux because he held his own break, you know, with the new break format. So that's surprising and encouraging. So, and I think to Jeremy's point, Jeremy had mentioned yesterday about Earl being a really solid doubles partner. And when you look at the roster, you know, him, him and Shane, him and Skyler, you know, him and potentially somebody like, like Oscar or, or even Tyler, he could be a very, you know, I know we, we think about it in the context of singles play, but, you know, Earl can come with a shot and get you a shot, you know what I mean? And if he's there with his teammate and his teammates performing well, I mean, he could be a really great doubles partner, you know, even if it's just among those three players, Shane, Sky, and Earl, those three can mix and match pretty great, you know what I mean? Because they have the, the most experience probably performing on the biggest stage uh, with the most amount of pressure. So, I think they're very complimentary. And so I know everybody wants to sit here and talk about how Team Europe is dead stealing, you know, but I mean, I, this, is, this, is a, this is a very unique format with races to five, and these are very highly qualified and competent players. And so to sit here and just say that, that Team Europe is dead stealing, you know, on paper, that's great, but you know, you don't win these tournaments on paper. You win these tournaments with, with what happens in the box and on the rail. So I'm, I'm hoping Team USA comes out to a strong day one. I think last, Last year, we had a very weak performance from Europe on day one. Halfway through day two, there was a, an opportunity there to put a lot of pressure on them. Um, so, you know, and they were maybe more of a favorite back then. So uh, I think it's really about staying poised and staying present. If Earl can keep himself together and keep, like, you know, the the game between his ears solid and tight, I think Team, Europe, Team USA has a real shot. I think he's worth two, maybe three points. And that's really all all you need from him to, to be in contention to win the cup. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of, uh, at the end of day two, um, as just to go to your, your point there, the U.S. was up five to four going into day three. It wasn't really till day three where the, the, the Yeah, but they had a chance to be up six, three. They had a they chance did, to be yeah. up six, three and let Team Europe ball. be stewing. You know, Steam, Team Europe would have, would have had a ton of pressure coming in on them. And Team USA would have been, you know, starting to get real confident. Like, hey, wait a minute. We have a chance here to, to really sucker punch these guys. And so that that big match, you know what I mean, to end that day, 
you know, Europe kind of got a role in a sense, you know what I mean? That, that, that six ball gets missed. And then we had that time foul situation with Jeremy, but you know, all, all those things considering, especially with the last minute, like change at the end, team USA was kind of on the back foot and they would have had a chance to get settled and be like, Hey, we're in this with a shout. So they're not going to go through that this year. And I think we got to give these guys a lot of credit for the kind of uh, game that they can bring together. Sure. All right, Rob, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on Earl? Well, I was pretty excited about it when I when I heard I, I liked that pick last year and I felt I felt terrible that he couldn't play last year. I was I was looking forward to it. I, I, I wanted to see him on that stage again. And I watched his play at the Open and the International and it was very good. He was very solid. I, I think Earl brings something that not too many players have in this day and age and and that is a definite swagger to the game I, you know i see a lot of the players have an approach that is uh markedly definitive and strict and their strokes are slow and dedicated and long and and then you throw earl in there who just goes up their strokes three times and bangs the ball in the hole that has a a, a bit of intimidation built into it when, when you see that, you see these players taking a lot of time and dedicating themselves to each shot. And then you see Earl get up there and just bang the balls in around the table, you know, like the old days, kind of nine ball of the old way it was played. And, and I like that about Earl. And I really, I saw him pound some balls in the side pocket at the international where he three stroked them and pounded them in hard. And they were not easy shots. They were 50 degree angle shots or 60 and and he hit him in with authority and his position play for the most part was was very accurate uh i i just i've always liked earl's game uh there's been some things of course about earl's personality that that uh, you know he gets he gets picked up a little bit for you know the way he is the way he behaves on occasion but his game definitely belongs on the big stage uh, i'm i'm excited about it and uh and and nate just to follow up with you next year you said you're going to start going to the international you're not going to be missing it much uh if you want a uh, a ride-along roommate or partner for that trip next year i'm, I'm going to raise my hand uh i'd be on board with you for that but yeah all right so rob is going to no longer be on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, Rob. That was funny. Yeah, of Nate's, course, of course. <laughs> Nate's ride or die. <laughs> All right, Mike, what you think? Um, you know, he's on the team, so whether I think he should have was the best pick for the team doesn't make any difference anymore. Um, he did play really well in, in Norfolk. I thought that he, you know, obviously he knew the pick hadn't been made yet, and it was really interesting to watch him on his best behavior. And and knowing that he was he was still kind of you know auditioning to a certain extent, uh, and he played some good matches. I, I was really uh, he played one match on TV against the on the main table against the Vietnamese kid, and uh, I to me I, I to me I thought okay this is this is sink or swim right here because if he if he has a bad match and goes off the rails, starts barking at people in the crowd, and Jeremy's sitting up in the in the you know, commentator's booth, I would have thought, you know, he's going to get the hook. Uh, but he hung in there. He didn't play the greatest match in the world, uh, 
and there was a little adversity on the guy's soft break and whatever, and Earl had his little chirps and whatever, but he held his, his head together and, and, you know, shot his way through the match. So that was the yep. point where I thought, okay, he's, he's on the team. <laughs> I don't know if that was Jeremy's tipping point or not, but I thought that's when I thought, okay, this is, this is done. Uh, Earl, Earl's the guy because even he, his he, match, even his match that he got eliminated with uh, against Jonas, I yeah. mean, he was he was leading in that match and was on the hill first, 9-8. Right. And, you know, Jonas was, I guess, what, semifinalist? So Jonas yes. had an incredible tournament, but it, it really right. was – it was double hill with Jonas. And I remember he had a, a long elevated shot on a four ball that he, that he missed that kind of gave Jonas an extra opportunity. And then it was kind of coin flip situation with Jonas breaking on, on the hill. Uh, but, you know, Jonas had an unbelievable tournament and, and Earl, you know, if he makes that four ball kind of long and elevated from the back rail or whatever, then, you know, maybe it's Earl who makes it to the final four. So, I mean, he was right there playing with the guys that were playing that, you know, I mean, outside of Fetter and maybe Jason, there was a, a, a big class of guys that were all playing, you know, jam up pool that were really tight and grouped together and Earl's hanging with them. So it's yeah, encouraging. Sure yeah. When when I was watching, I I, I jotted one name down. Uh, out of the, all the players I watched in the tournament, I watched most of the matches that were televised, and I have a great big Soto on my on this piece of paper <laughs> and an exclamation mark next to it. About was I impressed by any one particular play of any player in that tournament? I would say Jonas. Yes, that he he was he was and he's young. Jonas yeah. he's is a great so, world champion. Jonas so is a impressive. World champion, yeah. I, I had never seen him play before, and I hadn't really heard him in conversations before all that much. But wow, I was I was taken by his play and and how underneath un, underneath the most intense moments, how strong he was, and yeah, how I mean, calm he, he was, and how accurate. I think he internalized his first his first round loss to Carlo. He should have won that match, and it went double hill. He had a chance to win. He was up like nine to five, and kind of let the match slip away from him. Had a, had a six ball double hill to win um, that he should have gotten out on and missed. And then after that, the resilience to kind of bounce back and make the long trek. You know what I mean? And winning match after match in close and tight situations, you really saw some maturity from him. And it's it, I think it's a, a good thing. Like uh, the Spanish guys and the Polish guys, they kind of have their their like model, you know what I mean? Of, you know, following the lead guy and then like building on that. And they work together to kind of like, you know, build on their experiences. And Jonas is a great kid. Those Spanish guys are all yeah. super top notch guys. His, and his I mean, pure really pocketing skills really was, was something. I mean, sure. you know, you look at the pocketing skills of Shaw, Filler, Gorst, you know, you, you can't deny they're right on the top. But after what I saw, I'm throwing him in that mix. Uh, for the future. Yeah, I mean, Jonas, is he's overshadowed a lot by Francisco Sanchez Ruiz and David Alcaide and even to a lesser degree, Jose Alberto Delgado. But, uh, I mean, he's a world champion. Uh, in fact, I think he, he might be the only Spanish world champion in their history. I, I don't think Francisco won one as a junior. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But, uh, I mean, the kid's a world champion. He, he might be overshadowed. And you might not know who he is, but he's a great player. Uh, so, Jim, it's almost fitting that you had to go clean up baby puke, and you're the last person to comment on the throwing up. You know what it is with baby puke? A baby, when it throws up, it does come out with quite a force. 
The only thing you have to worry about is which direction do you face the baby in? Because you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do. Just choose a good direction. My wife just chose probably the worst direction. <laughs> if you were to take a if you were to take a 360 of the living room, there's one direction you just don't. Do okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, well, what so, were you talking uh, about? I guess you were talking well, about uh, Jonas Suter then. And, and Earl. Well, no, really. It started well, with Earl. I'll, I'll get you the question here. Uh, everybody was tuning in. We got uh, 70 people tuning in watching. Please give the stream a share, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or maybe even Twitch. Wherever you're watching from, please give the stream a share. Help us get out there. Jim, we want to know your thoughts on Earl the Pearl Strickland being number five. Do you want my thoughts as a pool player or do you want my thoughts as a fan? Both. In that order. My thoughts is a, in that order, as a pool player, I have my. I think it's a bit I think it's a bit unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate for the other pool for the, for the other American players that really put the effort into travel, and really went to all the tournaments. Um, you can look at it on both sides of the coin. You know, uh, the guys that did go and, and got themselves in places four and five on the ranking maybe feel a little bit hard done by. But they have been to all the tournaments and they have had the opportunity to do something a little bit more than what they did in order to, to show that they were ready to be in that arena, which they didn't really do. You know, uh, Being number four or number five in American ranking doesn't didn't really take a lot this year. You didn't really have to do anything special. And other than Greg Hogue winning one event, which was probably, you know, all respect to, to Greg, it was the, the lower level of all the events that you could possibly win. Uh, to be fair to Greg, to be fair to Greg, if the money had been right with the Sandcastle, he'd be on the team. He'd be on the team. Yeah. 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 So I mean, is is it is it the right pick? Um, yes, I think it probably is, but it's unfortunate for the other players. For me, I yeah. mean, I said, I said, I said. Uh, I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast or if it was something I posted on. Uh, I think it was on the podcast that, that Europe don't have to do anything special. They, they, they're pretty solid. America have to, you know, Jeremy and America, they have to take some risks. They have to think outside the box. They have to. It's almost like the, I don't know what it is you call it, the, the haymaker, you know, that, that, that last second uh, 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 touchdown pass for 90 Yards, it's just all or nothing, just throwing it in the air and hoping somebody catches it and, and, and gets that last-minute touchdown. I don't know what, what you call that. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Hail, Mary. Hail Mary, yes. It's basically, <laughs> America need a Hail Mary. And if you're going to throw a Hail Mary, <laughs> if you're going to throw a Hail Mary, who are you throwing? It's Errol you're throwing, sure. isn't it? He's the, he's the one guy that can pull it off. He's the one guy that's got that gear. But on the other hand, it could easily be, yeah, very, very much incomplete <laughs> or intercepted, whatever you want to say. <laughs> well, that's it. If, if, you've got, if you've got to go all in, you go all in with Earl, don't you? I mean, they're not going to get it done. They're not going to, or I don't imagine they would get it done with anybody else. I don't see any of the other players that just missed out as being, as making that big of a difference that it would mean the difference between winning and losing the Moscone Cup. Earl does have that. Yeah. I think as far as like the outlook as the, the other guys didn't get picked right for both for both teams, Team Europe and Team USA, you know, when you get to the nitty gritty as far as the Moscone Cup stuff, there's going to be some play here and there as to what happens. So if you're on that voyage to trying to team, you got to almost expect that you're going to have one or two years where, you know, you, you could have been picked and didn't. 
like I remember Torsten winning world nine ball championship or something and then not getting picked, you know, a certain year. And, you know, this kind of stuff's going to happen. Federer having the unbelievable year that he had. I mean, he's supposed to be a deadlock on every Moscone Cup team for the history of time with the year that he had. And then he didn't get picked. So, you know, it, if you don't make it on the points at that point, you're kind of leaving it up to chance and to the winds of the day. And you got to just roll with it, whatever happens. But yeah. um yeah, I think to your point, Earl, Earl gives gives uh, I think the biggest thing is synergy and synergy with your best player. I think Earl and Shane play really well together in doubles and, and Shane has quite a lot of respect for Earl. So as far as team dynamics go, he's less likely to feel like he's dragging someone along. You know what I mean? Who's as decorated as Earl because he looks he looks up to Earl, you know what I mean? And has a lot of respect for Earl's pedigree and his history and what he's done to the game. So in that sense, with especially with the top three, him, Shane, and Skyler, there's a lot of equivalency and like firepower and synergy, and I think that really is what goes goes the furthest, you know, because you can't have four or five individuals out there, and that's one of the things that, you know, even though Europe tends to have like a very friendly camaraderie and teamscape with them, my concern with just putting together five great players is is that that teamwork that that synergy aspect so that really comes down to leadership and interpersonal dynamics so i think that's when you get to the game behind the game and i don't think it's as far off as you know people think you know seeing team usa obviously the fargos are one thing but if you look at far handicap is between like a a20 and a 770 or something you know what i mean it's it's what a game on the wire race to five if that and that's we're talking about a game on the wire in a short race to five, which could be a break and scratch. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, it really comes down to how the team gels, how they work together and how those pairings, I think the doubles is going to be very big. Uh, Team USA has has historically done better in doubles, I believe. And the singles, especially recently has favored team Europe, but you know, we'll see. We have the world around. Right. Exactly. And we have the world nine ball champion, the reigning, World nine ball champion and Skyler has played with the Moscone Cup. He's played probably the best high gear of anybody. You know, Jason Shaw last year had a pretty strong uh, Moscone Cup and all time performance. But I mean, that year that Skyler won the back to back MVP was unbelievable. So, you know, the potential is really there. And and Oscar slots in, you know what I mean? He's he was what second in points. But man, he's such a team guy super low key and really knowledgeable kicking and safety and managing the cue ball and stuff and has a ton of experience and not afraid to mix it up and gamble uh, with whomever wants to come and play. So I don't know. You know what I mean? I know people are, I I look at like the parody amongst those guys and then Tyler might have the best break on the team right now in this format. You know, he was at the international, his break was unbelievable and he had a, a really incredible TV table match. I think he shot like a 960 uh accustat on the tv table and his break was a joke so um yeah i mean i think team usa is going to give him help but i could think of one i could think of one better hail mary that would have potentially been picked and not many people are naming this player but i think he could i think he deserves a shout out i think uh (laughs) frodo gord would have been a great hail mary (laughs) listen if that Listen, you can you can say what you want about crowd interaction and stuff like that, but if that ever turned up at a Moscone Cup, trust me. 
that hair yeah. and that beard, no way. But it's what, right what you're saying. I mean, it is. I mean, the race is to five. A lot of them are going to be a lottery. The thing is that you know, it, it all comes down to momentum, you know, and um, it just feels like there's 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 more chance that, that that Europe get on a roll because they don't seem to have any holes in their team. You would you would say that there's more chance that maybe one or two of the Americans don't have a good Moscone Cup. You never know which one it's going to be. You know, but they they're 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 just not as consistent. You know, the the chance that they're they're going to build up that momentum as easily as perhaps that European team would, and that if they do build up, you see Europe breaking that momentum quicker than you would see USA. USA really need the right players to be in the right matches at the right time when the score is at the correct score. A lot of things have to go correct for them. You know, um, yeah. Europe Europe is. I think it's just easier for Europe to get out of a hole, and it's easier for Europe to get. Oh, ahead. So the first day is going to be massive. Um, I think we can pretty much guarantee that we know what the first first match is going to be. Well, the team match, but after that, you know, I think it's definitely going to be uh, the, the the Spaniards against whoever Jeremy decides to put up against them. Uh, I don't see Alex picking anyone else other than that. Uh, and we know, as a European team, we know that basically match number five is going to be Shane singles. It's been Shane singles for 14 years. Why would it not be Shane's single uh, match uh, uh, this time? So you know, Alex has got a choice there. Does he? Who does he put out there? I like filler for that personally. Yeah, he's always he's always going to throw a filler in that spot. I think you probably see Shane and Skyler go out as. as well, he put Albin up. They put Albin out there last year, and it didn't really work. You know, no. it's, uh, yeah. Or the year I before. I thought it was uh, it was real telling about the emotions that players hold in when they when they're in a match, and in the finals, it, it was. It was a, a big deal at the end. I, I thought you 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 see these players competing at the highest level. Uh, Wichter and Jason in the finals. It was a great match, and they're controlled throughout the whole match. They're controlling their emotions. They're controlling their attitude. And then when the match is over, you saw how much emotion Jason was holding in during that match. Because at the end, when it came out, he was—he just let it go. Come on, man! Come on, man! And he was—he was just uh, taken by that emotion and just let it all go for well, a good two or three minutes. He was there. It is. It's all out there. So I thought that was interesting because all that emotion is inside these players while they're playing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a lot. They got to keep it under control until it's over. And it's funny because you, we're seeing more and more guys be open about the, the challenges that they, they they face. You know, trying to compete at this level, the amount of expectation and pressures on them, especially because financially the reward isn't uh, there compared to other sports. You know, like right. golf or tennis. So when right. they do finally crack through, they it gives them a little leeway. You know what I mean? To get to the next event and to weather those lulls. And so you've seen guys like Jason, who just snapped off the international, openly talk about struggling with the idea for a while. You know what I mean? And it's it's uh, it's it's no it's no uh, doubt or question why they they kind of like you know share those emotions at the end of big events like that. Cause it means it's literally life and death sometimes for them when it comes to their game. You know, they keep this dream alive. And I think a lot of people deal with that. I've had conversations with players who are, you know, transitioning from you know that top tier amateur into semi-pro regional pro into top flight professional that transition is the longest the hardest the most expensive and the one with the least amount of returns 
And you have to be willing to suffer those slings and arrows of going after it and learning and suffering the cost of, of what it takes to put yourself out there, to put in the time and effort to compete with, without that reward and know that the reward on the other side, the proving it to yourself will be worth it. And so even guys like Jason, who we wouldn't, you know, we just assume like is super confident all the time, struggles with the ideas of confidence, you know, because we view him as such a confident player. But it's a constant battle, you know what I mean? And so these guys are, are working hard and doing a very difficult thing for and not getting compensated anywhere near enough, you know, for the amount of effort and toil that, that takes, you know, sure. takes a lot of sacrifice and effort to get to that place to them where we, we can talk about them and say that they won. So I'm happy for Jason because he's, He's really put in, you know, he's dedicated his life. He's one of those few guys that just committed to that um, and kind of will just swallow all the crap to make it work. So, you know, he you're happy. He's inspiring with his play for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, he played great. And he's breaking with his playing cue. So there you go. A lot of people are doing that now. You don't need a break. It's a shot now. It's not a break. It's a shot. Sure. You know, sure. Sure. Playing good too. I mean, wow. but the thing, thing with Jason is Jason's, I mean, Jason's had times where he's just not been playing well. You know, and then he's 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 getting knocked out of tournaments. Well, not necessarily early. He gets he gets through a lot of matches just purely on just the power game he has. But he knows he's not really playing very well. This season, he feels like he's been playing really really well, and he's just been in every tournament. He just seems to be coming up with somebody who just plays half an hour, forty five minutes of just perfect pull against him. And he's sure. thinking, I'm playing great, and I'm not getting to the table. I'm not getting my chances. You know, he's getting he's getting beaten seven nil at the World Cup of pool. He's not getting. He's had one shot. You know, he's. He's going against Levan Cortez. He's played the best match of his life against him, and and and, there. and Jason's just sitting there. He's had a skid, and he's lost the match. You know, he's thinking these things are happening to him, and he's playing well. And I think that emotion that you that you saw, or a lot of that emotion you saw there, was basically saying him saying, "Finally, you know, I just somebody just didn't shoot the best match of their life against me, and now I win the tournament." You know, and it's just that. Because you keep, I keep saying to him, and people keep saying, a lot of people are saying he's playing badly. He's a bad had a bad year. Maybe he hasn't had the results that you would expect from a Jason Shaw. He hasn't snapped off until now one of the big ones. But he's playing great pool. You know, when he's winning matches, you saw what he did to Shane. He duffed Shane up pretty heavily, you know. Um, and he's not, he's, he's playing well. But he's just, for some reason, he's just, he's coming up against these guys that just. I don't, well, they know how, how good he plays. So, <laughs> you know, you earn that. And he's playing there and he's thinking, how am I getting beat? How am I getting beat here? I'm playing really, I'm, I'm not making any mistakes, you know, and I'm getting cr crushed by a guy who's just just playing the best match of his life. And then he's the International Open. But I've got to say, obviously, I think the International Open seems to be one of these tournaments that he please, feels very comfortable at, same as Turning Stone. He seems to perform his best there. And this time of year, you know, he gets he gets ready for Moscone, I think. And, you know, that game against Shane really helped him out kind of thing, a big, hard, gritty fight playing the, 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 with that break. And he always does well at the international. You know, I think he's won it a couple of times now. He won the US Open the last year that it was there as the US Open. You know, so out of the last like four years, he's won it three times or something like that. You know, so he's he's or he's been getting deep the other the other times anyway. So he always performs well. He's always ready this time of year. You know, which uh, you know Alex will be delighted. European fans are delighted. And he's going he's going to be he's going to try and be the first ever three P MVP, I believe. <coughs> Mike, what's your thoughts? Oh, nothing bad, really. I mean, you know, it's all uh, all the comments about Jason are all pretty much, you know, the, the atmosphere. It's, it's all it's all pretty spot on. Uh, don't really have a lot of, to add at this point. What do well, you think, right. Nate, about Earl that, as a pick? You haven't given your opinion yet. Well, 
I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. Am I basically, talking, basically, am I basically, talking basically, as a player or am I talking as a fan? <laughs> well, you're not a player, I, are you? <laughs> Jim will also no longer be nice on the one, podcast Jimmy. going forward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I, I I think he'll blow up. I mean, at some point in time, I think he'll have a blow up. Uh, will that will that tank the team? I don't think so. I think all the players. I mean, I think this is going to be the hardest year that Jeremy Jones, I believe, has ever had to go into his coaching with. I mean, and that is with a COVID year where you know he's they're basically in a bubble, um, and then another year where he literally has to go in and play at the last second because Earl can't play. I still think this is going to be his hardest coaching year yet, um, and it's because. He, not only do you have to get the players ready for on the table, you have to get the players individually ready for the potential of what might happen if Earl, if things don't go Earl's way and he's and he has a blow up. Uh, will he be able to do that? I, I would like to think that he can, but you know, we've seen Shane be disengaged, right? We've seen what he looked like on day four last year. He didn't want it. It looked like he didn't want to be out there. It looked like he was he was over the event. Um, what happens if Shane, or what happens if Earl throws a blow up and, you know, let's say the, the U S comes out and they lose four to one on the first day, or, or maybe even five to zero on the first day. And Earl has a blow up. What are we going to see out of Shane the next day? Uh, you know, sky's always been that rock for the U S where he's always ready to go. He always wants to get out there and battle. I don't think we have to worry about him at all, but you know, could something happen with, I think we only see Earl once. I think we only see Earl once on day one. It'll be a couple, it'll be a doubles match with Shane. I think that'll be that'll be Errol's only only uh, game on day one. I think Je- Jeremy will also want him there. I mean, I want to ask. Listen, the last time we played was 2013. There was a reasonable crowd there, but the rest of them were all in the, the 2000s and 1990s, where he was going to York Hall and he was playing in, a, in front of a couple of hundred fans. Okay, they made a decent atmosphere, but it was nothing like it is now. So, Errol, I'm wondering, do you, what do you guys? Say? This is going to be someone completely different for Errol. You talk about all the experience he's got. He's never played in front of 3,000. Well, he's to never be honest played with you. The, the atmosphere that's going to be there this year. Imagine if he'd been there last year when there was never a moment of silence. There was a continuous noise in the arena. Well, didn't matter and that's what I was going to get finish. at. That I mean, might be a good thing because if you look at maybe, a lot of Earl's blow-ups in the last few years, a lot of his blow-ups have come from like really small individual things where you have one person in the crowd – taking a sip of their beer or one person in the crowd kind of laughing, thinking that they're laughing at him. I mean, if you have that much noise, maybe that's a good thing for him. Maybe there's so much ambiance in the room that he can't actually focus on anything individually and he can't get set off by anything individually. Can I, I don't, can I, I don't add something? Can Go I ahead. add something? I, I, I think whenever you start talking about player responses or how players are going to handle and deal with stuff that we see during the cup, all that stuff, as far as leadership goes, as far as the team dynamics stuff goes, all that has to be addressed way in advance. Like you guys have to get together and talk about what you don't want to see as a teammate and what you expect and the standard that you're going to hold before you get out to the table. If you wait till it happens on the table, then by then it's too late and you're just at the mercy and whim of whatever emotionally happens there. So you guys got to decide in advance how we're going to, as a team, handle this, what we're going to tolerate and what we're not going to tolerate. And you, you you figure that out beforehand so that you have those uncomfortable conversations and you have an expectation about how they're going to be addressed when the day comes. Because if you wait till the day comes and you're uncertain about it and then something happens, then I have a different expectation of what somebody else has and it's going to mean something different. And that's what causes the fracturing and that's what causes disengagement. That's what causes problems. 
So all this stuff about, you know, how we're, like all that stuff's got to be squashed amongst the guys beforehand and you create a rubric. This is what we're going to tolerate this is what we're going to accept. And if you don't do that, I'm going to take you in the back and have a conversation. You know what I mean? But like, that's what team sports is about. You know, Michael Jordan used to always talk about, I make my practices harder than the games. And if it means I have to punch Steve Kerr in the eye to get him to, to like to us have mutual respect and realize we're on the same team, we have the same mission and I'm not going to quit on you or get upset or whatever, because that derails you, then I'll swallow that part. And I, you know, I won't default what I do, but I'll do with what, what, what benefits and suits the team. That's how team sports are played. So I, I hope my only hope is that the guys will, if there's a conversation to be had about any kind of thing that's leadership oriented, it happens in the locker room before you get out on the, on the felt and there's 3000 screaming fans. Cause by then it's too late. So that's where you iron that stuff out. And then whatever we see on the felt is what was it tolerated and accepted for on the back end. You understand? Sure. sure. I think Jeremy yeah. will handle that pretty well. That yeah, I, I hope so because uh, it, yeah. it he's gonna have to because it, it, like like you said perfectly there if if it's not handled ahead of time, it's possible you could end up seeing some disengagement out of some of the players. I don't think you're ever gonna see that from Sky. I don't think you're ever gonna see it from Tyler. But it's been a while since we've seen Oscar out there, and we've seen in the, just in the last year that Shane has become disinterested in the event. You know, part of the way through it. Yeah, I think Jeremy. You know, those, and I think it's general have some history together, don't they? You know, some yeah, playing, a little oh, playing sure. history sure. together. Yeah. 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 That's not going to hurt the whole effort at all. But I do think, I guess in hindsight, just to close up what I, what I think about it, I think it's going to be fantastically entertaining. Do I think the U S has a chance? Yeah. I think, I mean, it's a race to five, you know, whatever. Um, am I, am I thinking that they're going to be a huge favorites? No, they're going to come in as the underdogs, but it's a race to five. And, you know, we saw last year with what I think on at least a weaker team, as far as uh, not being prepared, this is a stronger team than last year. And they were a, you know, basically a missed five ball away from going into day three, up six to three. Right. Why, why can't, you know, why can't the U S come out uh, strong out of day one with an engaged, you know, with an engaged Shane and uh, Tyler. And to be honest, I think that, I think that Earl's going to be a great spark plug for if, and when he has that blow up up until that point, I think the players are going to love playing with him. I think the players are going to love rallying around him and being a part of a team with uh, Earl Strickland. I think it'll be great until if and when that uh, that big blow up happens. And I'll tell you what: if Earl sinks the winning nine ball for Team USA, I'm going to personally put on a Baldo costume with fireworks and sent them flying in inside, inside the bodies. I'll be there, and I'll be waving an American flag and bottle rockets and Roman candles, and we're going to be just cracking open cans with Pabst Blue Ribbon because America, baby, let's go. I, you know what. And I will, I will grab you. We will jump over the barrier, and we will be the first two players on that pool table. I, I do not care. I have, I will swallow my, my, my dignity for America. And, and Jim will be over in the corner crying. Yeah, right. I know he will. Into a beer bottle. He'll be screaming and hollering. Listen, I am, I, I am. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good winner, and I'm a good loser. I will listen. America, uh, listen. America wins. The first person at the bar buying you boys a drink will be me. <laughs> That's that now. Now I know you're lying. You haven't bought a drink in your life. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh. How did you know you're asleep after the first one? Yeah. Nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier than watching Earl make the winning nine ball and like all the naysayers and detractors. There's a lot of trash talking on 
on social about American players. I would love nothing more than to have like Goliath just get down and it's Earl that just like <laughs> sends the final stone. You know what I mean? It'd just be so poetic and beautiful. It'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great. Well, sure I know Jim, on, Jimmy <laughs> made a couple comments on uh, on Facebook uh, last week that, and and one he says, "I just can't wait for this. I just can't wait." And I loved that comment. I went, "No, I can't either. I just can't wait for the Moscone. I'm on the Come edge on, of my seat. It's going to be. Awesome. I will say, I will say this: Earl being on the team. Uh, I know I've been talking against it for quite a while, and then the last podcast, I kind of was like, "All right, yeah, pick Earl." I'm excited to see it. This might be the last time we ever get to see Earl. And we I say that I, I every guess... time. He says well... it every time as well. <laughs> I remember I remember when he has he, when he had his interview at the Masters with Catchy and he said, Yeah, you'll probably never see me on a matchroom event again. And then he's been invited <laughs> back to two muscles. He's gonna keep going until he's 80. Until they until the young American players Tom Brady. Ass and start practicing properly and becoming proper players, then Earl's gonna he's keep just... getting invited back because he's Earl. He, he's Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. The guys yeah. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy. Well, I will say this. Uh, he hasn't been invited back to an invite-only tournament. Mike, what? Mike, you have any thoughts? No, I mean, Earl, you know, uh, last time Earl played Moscone, he was 13, and, and everybody then, Matrim included, swore it would be the last time he'd be on a USA team. Uh, and he wasn't on Matrim tournaments for a long time and then did get invited back in the last year or so. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is kind of his swan song. Uh, even if he won and made the match-winning nine ball, I think, you know, it's it's time to kind of move on. Uh, but, I, you know, now that he's been picked, yeah, I'm excited to go see what he does, see how he plays, see how the crowd responds to him. You know, he'll have a bunch of people backing him and he'll have a bunch of people bashing him. And, and you know, uh, what Raymond said was, was spot on. I mean, a lot of it's going to – be up to Jeremy and the team and how they sort through things before they get out into the arena um, and how they handle things when they get back into the practice room after things don't go really well, because that's usually when, you know, the, the seeds of discontent are sown. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a big thing. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Shane handles it because Shane's a big Earl guy always has been. Um, and maybe Shane feeling like, He's got to, you know, be there for Earl, wet nurse him, whatever. You know, maybe that maybe that helps Shane stay more engaged where he can't just check out because Earl will be in his face. So um, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I do got to say this. I got to I, I got to call you out, Jim, because you said that you are a good winner, whether you win or whether you lose. This is Jim's face after the U.S. goes up 1-0 last year. <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> oh no don't worry about that it gets better this is jim's face after the u.s goes up two to zero last year I thought you gone. Me, <laughs> he's gone he just leaves <laughs> so, so you don't was... have one of me you don't have one when we of us when we lifted the cup no no, I, I I lost. No, you didn't have you didn't have one of them. No, you, yeah, yeah. The camera yeah. stopped working. Ba battery was dead. Yeah, I didn't get that one. Yeah, I'm not back. Yeah, yeah. that I, second I, that second one was me at the bar getting you a drink. You know, to be honest, it probably was. But this one, I really like this one, Jim. This is like right after they make the winning nine ball to to go up one zero, and Jim just like, what is going on? Who's the fella in the dark glasses there, Jimmy? 
That's a mate of mine, my uh, Moscone brother from another mother, uh, Lee. And you can see Darren Appleton in the background there, that ugly face, is, you can't miss that. Yeah, that looks like, it looks like a coffee cup. What's that all about? Yeah, he pretends he's drinking coffee. Yeah. And this is, this is my personal favorite one. I probably shouldn't even show this one, but this is Jim trying to hit someone. <laughs> oh, yeah, I punched that back and got 229. I was keeping and his action. And, and, and almost broke my arm. Your bar, your bag punching Fargo is two twenty nine, Jim. Yeah, that's about yeah, that's about all I can get. I never, I don't, I don't think I reached my Fargo hitting that bag. <laughs> I have. You have, but that's because your Fargo's like five hundred. You hit my Fargo playing that thing. <laughs> all right, all in good fun. All right, let's. Uh, I guess do we have anything. Obviously, we're three. Uh, what is it? Three weeks away from the Moscone. We're going to talk about yeah. it a bunch more. Uh, is there anything else we want to discuss right now? Anybody have any thoughts? On Moscone, no, but I mean, International was a pretty good tournament. Yep, let's move over to that. Uh, it was, uh, there was some good performances there. It wasn't an American in the top 16, which wasn't, you know, what I was looking for. But a um, lot, of, lot of great matches, super field. I mean, really strong oh, field. Tough. It was great to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's always a great tournament. Uh, yeah. Jason was killer. Uh, you know, Victor was, you Victor. know, Rick, Victor did a lot of, a lot of the dirty work for Jason there. That's right. He sure did. <laughs> he did, did a lot of the dirty work. Thanks for taking out all the monsters. <laughs> well, he did. He, he played just those last few matches he played were just superb. Yeah. It was so fun to watch that kind of play. And, and just like it. They have, they have to bring all their shots early in the games. You know, it's just not break and run out. It's it's yeah. break and do everything you need to do in pool. Use all your tools. I just love that. Yeah. And and, and Victor was on my list, I think, for, like, guys that were going to come out this year before Francisco really solidified his consistent. Right. Like, like, Victor was the guy that I was looking at to potentially make a Team Europe because he's just playing so great, you know. And yeah. it was good for him to validate himself. Yeah, he's well, not going to be far away this year. He's not going to be well, far away this year. But the, the, you can't claim him. He's one of my players. Jim Jim has his own players where he just you know picks every winner that wins every week and says that's my player. But Victor is one of my players. I already called dibs on him. You can back off. Hold on, man. Your player was your player was Oliver. You claimed that Oliver would be a world champion within the next two or three years. Nate leaves my, my four players. My, oh, now you've got four players. Oh, can I have four players as well? You have four you players. You do every idiot. time we have a tournament. You have usually, four players, yeah. you idiot. You're usually, four players. You're usually they keep, Fetter, and they, Filler. And they keep winning everything. <laughs> they keep winning everything. Yeah. My my players are Aloysius Yap, uh, Wojtek Shevchek, Victor Zielinski, and Oliver. I said that those those are my like up-and-coming players that are going to be like really, really, really top tier pretty soon. And you pick the players that are already there that just win every tournament because yeah. you, they win a tournament, and then you pick them and say, oh, that was my player. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Chris, Chris Melling. Chris Melling at the U.S. Open looked really, really good, really good for not having played like a big nine-ball event in a while. Like Chris looked really, streak, really. He's good. that type of streak player. If he gets kind of yeah. on a roll and gets that rhythm going, that he can just plow through some matches really, oh, really fast. He looked yeah, great. He looked, yeah, it's just a, a, a tournament, a big tournament like U.S. The U.S. That's a long grind for a player like Chris. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. and it's, it's not. He's yeah. not really in my opinion, tournament fit. And you see it quite a lot. He'll get on these the, these runs, like you said. Right. He's a street player. 
He's got a gear that's as high as anybody's when he gets going. He's got the he's got the sweetest stroke. He hits the ball as good as anybody in the game. But it is a grind for him, and he is going to put in one subpar performance. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's what happened in the, in the match that he lost, but he he almost does run out of gas a little bit. These are these are these are a long grind for him. He's not he's not match fit really, uh, Chris. Yeah. When it comes to his big well, tournaments, and he hasn't been for a couple of years really. And again, I don't, I don't know if you knew this story, Jim, but I, I told it on the podcast. Uh, to be fair to Chris, the his his match was scheduled for four thirty at the yes. at the U.S. Open, yeah. and it was scheduled at four thirty. That's what it was listed as, and they changed it to four. And he didn't find out about that change until like three fifty four, and he was like, uh, he yeah. said he was about to get into the shower, take a little you know relaxation shower before his match, and then head down fifteen minutes before and shoot some balls. And he gets a call right as he's getting into the shower saying, "You need to be here in three minutes. Why aren't you here yet?" Because they changed it without telling him. So I mean, to be fair to him, I mean, may- maybe he had a bad match because he just ran out of energy, and maybe he had a bad match because three minutes he before. Yeah, right. he he I mean, was on. He was on tilt for sure. But, I mean, Max also played great. It's not like he needed very much. Like both guys were. I mean, there was the semifinals or quarterfinals or semis. They were. They were right there. So. I mean, going, 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 on, going on tilt. Going on tilt is also a, a, a sign that you're you're just not quite mentally fit. You know, you're unable to to reset and get back in. It's too easy for you to to, yeah. to get onto the negative side and and to for your mind to, to let your mind go, kind of thing. And. Uh, it's all part of the, the staying sharp and staying, you know, match fit. But uh, yeah, Travis Wilson, just to reply to him, the, the open-hand bridge for Chris, there's a lot of players that are starting to use the open-hand bridge because, like we said before, it's a shot now. It's not a break, really. Um, so there's there's no need to close your bridge, bridge up if you're not going for power. It's more accuracy, catching the right spot on the one ball and getting the, the, the right uh, uh, juice onto the cue ball to bring it back into the – basically back onto the nine again to get the nine moving. Kachi had a really great firm break in this yes. format at the U.S. Open. So it was nice to see the different styles. And um, Kachi was, I mean, he crushed, uh, I think it was like three matches in a row. One guy goes up on a TV table, wins 10-2. The next guy goes up, wins 10-0. And then the other guy goes up, wins 10-1. Uh, and the other guy goes up and wins 10-0. So each one was asking the other to hold their beer. You know, <laughs> but 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 Kachi was breaking them hard, harder than the other players, and getting really productive. So it's interesting. To see from, the Shane, Shane's always going to go for that power break because he has it and he feels secure mm-hmm. with it. The yeah. players that the players that do have that that power break, but it's maybe just not quite as accurate, and they're more likely to lose a cue ball if they don't have to use it. They're not going to use it. That's mm-hmm. why that's why a lot of them are using their playing cues, or they're using like I do. I use my break cue, but I've got I put my um, three fourteen shaft. Onto my break sure. uh to break with that. Uh, just because you don't need to be ramming it, uh, so you're not going to damage your tip, and you just want to have that right. extra control in the cue ball, you know. I got a question for uh, Jimmy and Raymond. Uh, you guys are both players, and uh, you mentioned a little bit ago about uh, negativity entering in in into your head. Now this is the mind game, the brain game, a pool. Do, do either of you, and this question is for both of you, have any particular way that you channel that? Because there's negativity in pool, whether you're watching your opponent run out every rack or maybe getting a good roll here or there. And Do you have any tricks internally uh, that you do to handle that and channel, take that negative energy and get rid of it? I keep a, I keep a little DeLorean in my pool case. 
a little like miniature time machine model. And I, I say that because, you know, I, I was talking to a good player about the situation. They're like, well, you know, do you have a time machine in, in your pocket? They asked me, do you have a time machine in your pocket? I'm like, no, uh, I don't. Why do you ask? And they said, well, why are you wasting time on something that you can't go back and fix? You know, and right. uh, being able to just let that go and being emotionally distant from those things are super, super important, especially when, you know, a match is culminating or or you're just trying to stabilize. You know, you, you get off to a, you know, a choppy star, you get a bad kiss, you scratch and your opponent gets a lucky roll the next game and then he breaks and runs. And now you start you dwell on the fact that you got a bad kiss to put you in the side. You feel it's not my fault. You get into this victim mentality thing. And it's easy to spiral so that when you get to your next inning, if you're not present and you're stuck on the fact that you got a bad kiss and that's your frame of mind when you get ball in hand, you have to make a tough shot. And then you get, heaven forbid, you know, you don't get perfect. Now, now what's going to happen? You know, the likelihood of you spiraling is, is very, is very serious. So I think a lot of that is done in advance. You have to be working regularly on being present and working that muscle of, of, of you know, just being in the moment as often okay. as possible. If, if you can make a habit of that, I've, I've been doing a lot of mindfulness meditation practice over the last few months. And that helps a lot because it helps me recenter. And it's just like a daily habitual, you know, exercise that I get to and it helps me to stay grounded. So I think okay. uh, finding the things that work for you to reframe uh, positively and to stay present and to just at least let go is, is huge. Cause then you can you give yourself the best chance to, uh, to move forward positively. I actually have to jump out, guys. I have a I have a, a work thing I got to get to, uh, so I'm gonna hop out. But it was nice chatting with you. See you, Raymond. Yeah, thanks, right, Raymond. Thanks for the input, Raymond. My pleasure. Okay, Jimmy, how about you? What? How do you deal with that? The mental aspect of the game. I'll, I'll tell you how you should deal with it. How it should be dealt okay. with. It should be it should be dealt with beforehand. If you if you are in a match and you're feeling negative, a lot of that comes from knowing that you're not really prepared. If you know you're prepared and you're ready for that match, then if you just get an unlucky scratch or your opponent gets a fluke or whatever, you still feel like you can get, you can balance that, you can fade it because you're ready. You're ready for this match, you're prepared, you've done all the work you need to do to, to give your best, yourself the best chance to win this match. So it's a lot easier to get over that because, you know, if, but if, you're, if you know yourself, you're not really ready. You haven't put the work in the last couple of weeks kind of thing. You, you decided to, to have a couple of beers the night before and you've got a nine o'clock match in the morning, but you, you didn't go to bed when you probably should have. You stayed up and had a couple of beers. Then you start to think about those things. Ah, oh, crap, I should have gone to bed last night and I, 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 st yeah, I stayed up too late and why did I have to have that other beer? And now, he, this, now this guy's getting lucky and now I'm under pressure and I should be winning this match. You didn't give yourself the best chance to win. You didn't give yourself the best chance to perform to the best of your ability, which means you're now in a situation that you shouldn't be in. So it's kind of, most of the time, it's kind of your own fault. I'm and very you, glad that you just started this off by saying that uh, I'll tell you what I should do because correct. you've obviously never done any of those things. Because I've been in these <laughs> positions. I've been in these positions. I've been in these positions many times. I'm playing a nine o'clock ma match and I'm playing against a guy. The night before, I'm thinking, oh, that's a good one for me. I'll win that match. I'll have a couple of beers. You get up in the morning. He gets a couple of lucky rolls at the beginning of the match. You're under pressure early on. You're thinking, Jesus, I'm not actually feeling great. I had a couple of beers last night. I probably shouldn't have done that. And now I'm in a now I'm in a hole. It's most of the time, you know, if you're feeling good, you can fade these little negativities. Um, if I'm in that situation, a lot of the time, I will just when my opponent's at the table, I don't want to see what's going on. 
You know, I'm one of those guys that I'll find something else to look at. I'll find something else to concentrate on until I see him walking away from the table and hope, hoping that he's walking away, leaving me a shot kind of thing. Uh, I don't want to see things happening. If I feel like he's get, if I feel like he's getting lucky and he's getting nudges, I don't want to see him getting them. I don't want to see him get another one, because all of a sudden a nudge that's not really a, a lucky nudge for you because you're feeling negative, you see it as a lucky nudge. You know, oh that could have gone wow. wrong. I can't believe he got away with that, but you don't want to see it because you just dig the hole deeper for yourself. So I'll just look away, watch something else until it's my go. Basically. So uh, mostly preparation then for the match you're going into. Preparation is or the tournament, the whole tournament. Preparation, confidence, preparation is your, your mental stability. Preparation is knowing that you're ready to, to go out there and perform your best. Moscone Cup, for example, Alex Lely can't tell the guys how to play pool. Jeremy Jones can't tell these guys how to play pool. All he can do is put them in the best frame of mind and in the best position to perform the best their ability for that particular four days. That's all he can do. You know, and he can give them the advice and tell them you should do this, you should do that, you should, you know, get to bed at this time. Let's get up, let's get fit, let's get, you know, have a productive day kind of thing, and make sure that as soon from from match one on that team match when they walk out there as a team, that he can turn around to himself and to them and say, "We have done everything we possibly can to make sure that you're ready to perform the best you can for these four days." If you can say that, then you've done all you can, basically. Sure. So let's talk about the low-hanging fruit since we're starting to run a little long. The poetic the poetic justice of the, the Bigfoot 10-ball. And, of course, it's irrelevant. We know this. 10-ball. <laughs> Mike starts. Mike, what do you think? 10-ball, I mean, when Jason Shaw was talking to the Pro Billiard Tour guys for an interview, <clears throat> they were talking about the billion-dollar lottery. Jason said he would just start his own tour and it would have tons of money in it. And it would be 10 ball and the 10 footer. <laughs> so, because he thinks that's the best game and the toughest thing for guys playing. So, discounting 10 ball because it doesn't go into nine ball rankings doesn't really, you know, run with me as far as who's a good pool player. Um, I thought, yeah, Federer, it was, it was funny. I mean, it was just comically ironic that he played four matches and it was against four guys from, right. from Team Grub. That was just hysterical. <laughs> and he, you know, he, he, yeah. I don't know if he had a chip on his shoulder, yeah. but you know, he certainly because you know, Fetter Fetter's pretty dialed into any match he plays in. So it's not like he really needs a lot of extra incentive. He likes money. Um, but uh but he was he was on cruise control during that during that 10 ball event, that's for sure. He was just solid as a rock. And it was fun because it it made for you know, five straight days of, you know, hysterical memes and, and, you oh know, posters on, on social media. It was just hysterical. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Nate made a good run in nine ball as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it was funny. I guess for the full context, uh, <clears throat> Fedor was not picked for the final spot. It was David al -Qaeda. Well, of course, David al versus Fedor Gorse in the first match. Uh, Fedor wins uh, 11 to 1, I believe. Um, the next match, ironically, uh, was another member of the Team Moscone Cup on Europe, uh, Albin Ocean. Fedor then won that 11 to 3, 11 to 5, something like that. And then he plays Jason Shaw, wins 11 to 3, 11 to 5, something like that. And then he plays the final against uh, Josh Filler and wins 11 to 7, 11 to something like that. Uh, so takes out four of the five. And then, of course, the. 
the funniest meme I think I saw the entire time was like, you know, like the Mark safe. And it was like a picture of Francisco Sanchez Ruiz, Mark safe from. <laughs> Cause he didn't play. Yeah. Because he wanted, because he never had to play him. So yeah. it's just Fed, no, Fed, or, uh, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz, Mark safe from the Fedor. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jim, everybody had, everybody had fun with it. Everybody had fun with it, which was great for, for again, for Federer. He, he just, he just likes to win matches and win money. Come on, Jim, go ahead. I want to say a couple of things. First of all, uh, first of all, I want to say that that we keep talking about David Alcada get or we I don't, but other people keep talking about Federer getting uh, uh, David Alcada getting picked over Federer. He also got because people think Federer deserved it. He also got picked over Mario Hay, who probably feels like he deserved it more yeah. than David. He yeah. also got picked over Alex Kazakis, who would have a right to say that he deserved it more than David. Right. He also got picked over Max Lechner. Who was one match away from earning it by right? Who probably feels like so. It, this whole thing has become Feder David. It's I don't think that's really fair on on a number of people. You know, um, you can say what you people can say that Feder deserved it because he's the best player in the world. At, at the moment, he probably I can't argue with that. I can't say he's not the best player in the world. He's doing everything he needs to do, and it's fine. But when we talk about deserved. There's going to be a few players out there that are not getting mentioned who probably feel that they deserve that spot as well. You know, David got it because of the whole circumstances around everything that's been going on. Now, to say that people sit out there saying that 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 Federer didn't get in because he wasn't available to be picked or whatever you want to call it, you would still say that then Mario would deserve it based on ranking more than David Al-Qaeda. You would say that Max would deserve it on ranking more than David. You would say Alex Kazakis has the experience. He's played there. He would deserve it more. So to say it's all just about David getting it, it it's he was picked over a number of players because of FSR and because of what he did last year and because of all that around it. So he can also be picked above Federer for those reasons as well, in my opinion. Now, Yes, the 10 ball, was that was fun to watch. I loved all the stuff going on social media. I was trying to bounce back with, with, with people that were putting the memes on and stuff like that, but I couldn't keep up with it. There was a new one every 20 minutes. It was insane. Yeah, it was been a group of people just at home just going, mm, more memes, more memes, what have you got? and then just throwing them out on Facebook. It was highly entertaining. I thought he played fantastic. I really did. I thought he was great. Um, but the same people who are on Facebook saying, you know, um, He's proven that he's better than these players in Team Europe because he's beaten them in this 10-ball event. Two weeks previous, we're saying, yes, but Jason Shaw will never beat uh, Shane Van Boning 120-80 to 80, playing 10-ball. He's won that because it's 9-ball. So let's not, you know, let's not say one week that 10-ball makes a difference between winning and losing and the next week it doesn't make the difference between winning and losing. You know, it's still... Two different games. If you've got a monster break, you've got an advantage, which Federer has. He's got one of the best, probably, if not the best 10-ball break in the world. It's insane the control he has on that thing. Um, but can't take away from what he did was amazing. He didn't just beat these guys. He completely annihilated them. What was it in the end? 44-19? Yeah. to 19? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> one thing I will say, though, Jim, is that, that I think a lot of people talked about Federer, David getting picked over Federer, because it was pretty apparent, and I think in mostly what Alex said, too, that that the last two were Federer and David. The other two may have been in consideration and they certainly earned points more than David did. But when it was down to the final picks, it was pretty much between Federer and Alex. Uh, yeah, and but that, 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 only, that only became, that was only said and made public 
when you did the interview with Alex, which was this whole Fedor thing had been going on for weeks beforehand. It yeah. must be Fedor, it has to be Fedor. The Sword Brothers were were just trolling <laughs> everybody on the internet. This was well, there, there's some there's some self interest there. Of course there is. That's it. I get it. That's your boy. You know, that's your, you know, he's your horse. But um, yeah, it's like you I mean, and Jason. I, I, you know, it's <laughs> these Moscones, they need a background story. And this one's this one's got two now, you know, where they're all getting in as well. And, and Gorski. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. It's, it's, FSR must be feeling great, you know, because as a rookie, you're thinking there's going to be a lot of heat on me. There's going to be a lot of stuff on social media, people asking questions. He's sitting there going, Everybody's leaving me alone. This is fantastic because all they want to talk about is Fedor and David. They're waiting, they're waiting until day. They're waiting until day one for the ambush. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> but hey, I'm getting all let these him, things. Let, him, all, let, every, let every, him get as comfortable time, as he wants. Yeah, but that's it. All these posts come out every time David misses a ball. We're going to be shouting Fedor. You think this guy? <laughs> no. You think this guy's not capable of going four days without missing a ball? Of course he is, and you'll be sitting there going. Mm, wish he'd missed Fedor one. Made <laughs> I wish he'd missed one. I want to shout Fedor. <laughs> I think they'll probably just yell Fedor every time anyone misses one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Every time anyone misses one. Which I That's think there's great. a pretty good chance will happen we've sometime got, in the four days. It's fine. We, we, we've got something for all five of your players. If they want to do a Fedor chant, we've, I've got, we've got something for all five of your players. There's no problem. You know? <laughs> no problem. I got nothing. I know that the first shot that David misses, the entire crowd is going to scream, Fader would have made it. That's all right. Yeah. Oh, no. And depend, and depend, and, de and depend, uh, depend on who it's against that will get back. You know, Johnny's got your money, for instance. That might be shouted a couple of times. Johnny's got you. your money. Yeah. <laughs> you think that's going to bother Oscar or make him play better? <laughs> I think it makes him play better. Do you think shouting Fader is going to bother David? I don't think so either. You know, but it's funny, and it'll be you know we'll go back and forward. You know, it's nice that the USA have got something else to shout other than USA, USA, because yeah, that's, that's been it for thirty years. You know? It is. Johnny's you have got something your new, money. You? Johnny's got your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, should have picked oh, Margaret. Awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, what what you guys' thoughts? If, if Fedor's obviously applying for u.s citizenship oh, do you think that, that we're not so, really talking well, about this no, 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 no. Are we? i just want to know yes or no do you think fader <laughs> will ever play for team usa mike yes or no i have no idea i mean that's so far down the road and so you know it just i mean it was kind of a even when i posted it was kind of a joke kind of thing but um you know could he end up living in the u.s i would think he probably will just because he's comfortable here and i don't think he's got any big hankering to go back home so uh, will he end up living in the U.S.? Probably. Does he end up playing for USA? I, I would doubt it, and I don't think it's anything that really is. You know, it's it's a long, long way down the road before it even comes into, you know, being something that would be an option. Well, it's a it's a five year process anyway, isn't it? Twenty twenty eight, I think, would be if he yeah. starts the process. Yeah, about that. Yeah, about that. So he's yeah. got a lot of Moscone cups in between that he's not going to turn around and say, "I'm not playing." Um, right. I mean, he won't, he won't be able to play next year because of his green card. Uh, uh, from what I've heard, he has to stay in the U.S., so he won't be yeah, allowed he won't to travel. won't be traveling next year. I mean, you know, he, so can, he won't be he in the U.S. He won't be in the U.S. Exemption, so. so be, yeah, possibly. For, for, yeah. But, I mean, you, would, you would imagine it'll be 2024. Um, yeah. But yeah. we see. I don't, I, don't see, I don't see him. I mean, to be honest, he, if, he, if, he, if he plays in just half the Moscone Cups for Europe, 
then he still gets the same amount of money as playing in all the Moscone Cups with the USA. So, oh, I'll tell you. No, is that a math? Is that a math? Interesting. See, I got, I've got a math degree. That's a math thing. Mike's got his calculator out. Hold on a second. I don't know. I'll tell you what. Calculator. I'm like this under the table. Carry to one. I'll tell you what. If you have a core of Sky Shane and and Fedor. With the with the juniors that we have coming through, by the time Fedor never plays from there's more chance there's more chance yeah. of you guys getting Canada and becoming North America than there is of by the, well, yeah, oh, yeah, that's Mike, interesting. Yeah. Mike, by the time that Fedor like that. even would play for America, we'd have some juniors coming up that would be yeah. You were talking about Joey would, Tate Shane would, long, Shane would be long retired by then. No, it's three years. Five years. Yeah. Why not North America instead of you don't you don't think you don't think of Joey Tate, Landon Hollinsworth, Sam Henderson, players like that keep progressing that it's gonna take them five years to get to that level? No, it's gonna take Shane five years for Fedor playing. to be on the team. Shane will oh, play. I thought, I, I, okay, okay. I th- yeah. Okay, I thought you guys said it was like three years. Yeah. Well, well total of six. Sure. Well, that's all I got to talk about. Anybody else have anything they want to discuss? Not me, I'm good. Where's Molina Mike taking us for dinner? Uh, in and out burger, I think. <laughs> I could rack up a hundred dollar tab at In and Out. That's fine. <laughs> Give me six double doubles. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. <laughs> the captain's in the house. We'll give a we'll give a shout Larry out to Jeremy Jones. Jones. Go Astros. Go Astros. Yes. Baseball's so like last week, Jeremy. Come on, it's like football. Don't worry, I got your back. I got your back, Jeremy. We'll no, keep Mike out home of team, Home team, Nate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, don't get Nate talking about football because then he's got to talk about the two and six Green Bay Packers. Oh, no, we don't want to talk about that. What do I care? I'm not a Packer fan. <laughs> I've never been said. a Packer fan. Good for you. I'm not a Packer fan. <laughs> football isn't really football anyhow. Soccer with a different shaped ball. Well, football. It's football. <laughs> it's not Russian, mate. Fuck's sake. Football. Football. You use your football. foot to kick a ball. Not, football. Not, not thro- throw egg th- egg throw handball that you play. <laughs> egg ball throw. And yet you're using you're using Hail Mary analogies. I thought it was a good analogy. You know. It would have been a good one if you had any idea what you were talking about. There was a, there was a Hail Mary. He had just trying to relate to the Americans on the loop watching. We had to make half the analogy for you because you had no idea what you're talking about. It's like you're talking about pool. Are we finished now, are we? It sounds surprisingly real. I think that's pretty much a wrap. Yeah. Uh, We are going to try to get Jeremy Jones on pretty soon. Yeah. Bring your cues cues to Vegas. You've got the eight. (laughs) We are going to have – hopefully we're going to be having Alex Laley on next week and uh, hopefully we get Jeremy Jones on. I'll, uh, I'll reach out to Jeremy. We'll hopefully, we'll get him on maybe the coming week as well, maybe towards the tail end of this week. We'll see. Come on, Jeremy. Come on. Can you get Earl on? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> as, long as, you're not, as long as you're not around, maybe we have an outside chance. Exactly. How, about, how about you go ahead and ask him, Mike? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, you got his number, don't you? Right? I do. <laughs> 
All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, we'll leave it at that. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you all for uh, joining us. Thanks, Ray, who's not here anymore. But uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And again, Mike, great work with the Hall of Fame. It was, it was fantastic. Thank you. 2024 Vegas. Get me a ticket. Vegas 2024 Hall of Fame banquet. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm there.